Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world, everything's remote. And this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together, right? When you're starting something new from scratch, being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it. And when we're all remote, you don't really get the same thing. Well, what if I told you there's a way to get that same output, right? Get that same feeling while being remote. And luckily there is. Uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for Forward Thinking Founders is Sidekick. And Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely. And you're able to move faster and, and, and kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of Forward Thinking Founders, you get a big discount on on Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device. $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices, and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Todd McNeil, who is a co-founder of Reflect. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I am. I feel like it's the, the listeners when they hear Reflect, they're like, "This could be a thousand different things. I wonder what it is." So <laughs> let's 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 limit it to one for them. What is Reflect? What 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 are you working on? So a Reflect is a new way of testing a web application. So instead of writing code to um, simulate how an end user uses your web app, you just record yourself doing it, and we turn that into a test that you can run anytime you want. So let's kind of walk through a little bit. I guess to start, I'm actually like, I, I, start, I start with this question now because it helps me understand more. Like, so what, who would be someone that would use Reflect? You can talk about like, a, a, like who would use it and then like, what a little more detail on like how they would use it, how it worked, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because we've talked to so many different companies about this, obviously, as we're building the company ourselves and it really runs a gamut on who would use this at a company, especially at a small business. But basically imagine 
you're working at a startup or a small software company and you're building product all the time, you're releasing all the time. It's, it's based on the web so you can release as much as you want. What happens is when you go to test that web app, it, it really runs a gamut who's testing it. So like you could find someone who, so find a company where the CTO is testing and they're spending like a couple hours every week testing it, however much time they have. And the reason they're doing that is because you don't want to release bugs to your customers. That costs, you know, costs in goodwill. It could cost you actual customers, potential customers, especially if things like a workflow, like you can't log in, can't register, can't place an order are, are, are broken. So at a small company, it really runs a gamut. It could be anybody. At a, at a larger company, as you establish a process, it's either engineers or testers, a test team. So yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, I feel like this, like there's been plenty of times that I've used products that had shipped code that like there's, there's, there's stuff wrong with that. I think everyone can say they've had that experience. So like, I feel like this is a pretty core, core solution to like a, to a big problem. Kind of would love to hear why did you decide to get started with Reflect? Uh, or I guess in other words, like what's the origin story for, for this company? Yeah. So my co-founder and I are both developers. And so kind of throughout our careers, we've hit this problem of testing in a way that actually uh, simulates an end user. So uh, when it comes to testing with a developer, you learn pretty quickly as you get started that testing is so important because you want to avoid the situation that you talk about, right? Where it's like, you know, I use an app, it breaks, and you're like, how could they possibly not find this? Like, why am I the only one hitting this? And the reason why is because it's really hard to, to test, uh, you know, at scale. And so Developers, they test little individual things, and then you know a lot of times you're testing how those little individual things connect. But um, the kind of testing that we do with Reflect is enable you to do end-to-end -end testing, which is basically as a user going through and you know doing this big operation like registering on a, on a website or like actually placing an order on Amazon or something like that. That kind of testing is really hard because it's just Websites are complex. There's a lot of operations you would need to do to do it. And so kind of back to the, like why we built it at, at our previous company, um, we, we would think that a, like a startup, you would have like everything automated. But really what we ended up doing is you have a spreadsheet and you run through all these little steps in the spreadsheet and you kind of get everybody in a room or today, like everybody in Slack and running through it to make sure that everything is working. And it's just like, well, marketing has all of this stuff automated, like sales has all this stuff automated, like we're the, we're the developers, like why aren't we automating this thing? And so that was the impetus for us to go and, and build this thing to allow people to automate it. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, I can see why it could be something that, you know, isn't an afterthought previously, but kind of like something that like you use, the, the solutions in place, you know, weren't super optimal. Yeah. On, your, on your site, I, I need to like dive into this because I actually haven't had a conversation about this in a while so i see that um you you have a great site and on it you have something in regards to like no code no installation like no problem which is i think i, I want to focus on like that first like the no code why did you i guess why did you decide how would you decide to build a product that you build not like why but like you made yeah. it as simple as possible how are you even able to do it. I guess, I guess my question is like, how does it work? If I wanted to test my web app, my complicated web app, how would someone like me test it with reflect? Yeah. So the way it works is basically we record your actions. So imagine you're going onto a site and you want to test, um, test a flow or maybe like you're on Slack and you're typing a chat 
and making sure that it displays. Um, the best way to test it if you're doing it manually is just to do it and then, you know, you as a human, you can tell visually, okay, it's on there, it looks fine. Um, to do it in code, you have to actually translate those things into like individual actions. So like our thought was, when we started it, we just basically like, we, we wanted to solve two problems, make tests as easy as possible to create and make them a lot easier to maintain. And so we didn't really have this preconceived notion of like, well, what would be the best way to do that? But we kind of initially like we arrived at it is because like, well, actually the best way to do it is manually test it. The problem is you can't do it over and over again automatically. So that's kind of where we landed is just like, you actually don't need code to do 80, 90% of the things that you would actually want to test. Um, and so our philosophy is like, we're going to do absolutely everything we can for you so that it just kind of works. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where we, why we landed on no code. I'm wondering, so there's this, um, I would say it's not even a wave anymore. It's just kind of like how things are where there's like, there was in the last three years, a huge wave of like no code tools, you know, a yeah. bunch of communities popping up rightfully. So I love no code. I don't know how to code. So like, I love no code. Cause I do know that. Do you kind of categorize reflect as like a no code tool? Like, are you in that wave or are you just a tool that you use, but for a chance, like you don't, you don't need code with it. I guess, how do you think about that wave and do you latch onto it or are you kind of, are, are you separated from it? I think, I think we do. Uh, I think it's useful to have a shorthand where like a couple of years ago, you didn't really have the shorthand for like these tools that have existed for a long time where it's like, you don't need to code to do things that maybe other people are coding to get done. Um, you know, like uh, there's like Excel as like a good example of that, right? Like you can write some code, maybe you'd call it low code, but you just can get things done without having to write code. Whereas like someone might write a Python script or something. So it's not a new technology. It's just a new, a good name for it. But I think where for us, I think the conception of low of no code is typically, okay, this isn't going to allow me to build a company without, without ever writing code. For us, it's a little bit different. It's, here's how I can use, the, use, use this to, use a, to automate a process in my company today that today is very arduous if I were doing it in code. Um, so I think it's a good thing as the shorthand, but it's also a little bit of a misnomer when you compare us to something like Bubble or, or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 it, it makes sense. It's just all, it is all different types of tools, I think, just lower the friction to trying to using something. And this is the thing that's cool about this is this is not, I haven't seen this before. Like this is like a new, um, like you're not just another like no code builder or another this and that. You're like a very specific use case that I haven't seen any other solution built for, which is pretty exciting, which I kind of, I actually want to go into that direction. So you're building something in my opinion, like fairly unique. Um, how do you communicate this to potential customers? I guess another way is like, how do you, how are you getting people to learn about it? Like, is it word of mouth or you like ads or I guess like what tactics are you using to like get people to try this out? Yeah. So I'll say that we're still very much figuring that out. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking to customers individually. So like outbounding and that's been really helpful to basically come up with a set of personas that we talk to and, 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 basically generalize how they're thinking about the space uh, or, or thinking about solving this particular problem. Like what is their problem? What is their uh, vision for a solution? And how does it map to that? Um, so that's been really helpful. And it, I think it does translate into getting the random user who finds us to actually like 
use us and buy. And we, we've seen some success with that, but certainly we're going to be focusing a lot more on that. Um, I would say it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it comes down to um, talking about the problem, like really having a good understanding of the problem and the no code part of it actually helps because if, if the, the, the solution you're presenting isn't that complex, it's easier for people to get from the point of, okay, this is solving my problem to, okay, it actually did solve it. You know, like the, the, I found it, does it do it? And okay, I, I figured it out. I got some little bit of value out of it. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. And I think your approach is totally right. I actually have written, I don't know, I would even, I would say I've almost written like five blog posts just on the topic of like not running ads or doing pay to pay to, um, acquisition before, like until like you are close to product market fit or at product market fit. And instead, I mean, this is like, this is straight out of like, like a YC or tech stars playbook. It's like, just talk to your people and then yeah. they'll show you the way, which I think, I think is cool. I, um, I'm a huge fan of outbound. Um, how do you think about, I guess on a high, similar question, but higher level, like you are doing something kind of new. Um, you know, you're pretty new actually which means there is, at least for my opinion, some educating of the market that needs to happen. Do you, do you find that you, the people that you talk to are like, they get it? Or you, does, do you, do you, is there a point that you need to just like, oh, we actually like, it's like, let's bring you along the journey to let, like, so I can explain to you how this works. I guess there's a lot of education involved for like a fairly new, new type of product. There hasn't been a lot of education uh, because the product is pretty simple at its core. I think the challenges on on both the challenges are around the details. So, like, if someone has a take a concrete example, if you were to go and record yourself signing up on a site, you would just be like, okay, well, I'll sign up and I'll enter my email address and it works fine. Uh, but then when you go to try to run a test like that, it'll fail because that email address you use already exists now. So, like, that's a kind of problem where it's like. Well, in, in code, you just, yeah, I just make it a variable, blah, 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 random, whatever. But like, how do you solve that problem or allow a person without coding experience to solve that problem? Do they know what a variable is? Like, so that leads to like some interesting product challenges. But I would say there isn't really much education needed because we're, they're just basically doing the same thing that they're doing today, except they record it and then they don't have to do it again. The education kind of comes into play where it's like, people who are kind of familiar with other tools that kind of have tried to do this kind of thing and none of them really work right. And it's like, okay, please give us a chance. Here's why we're different. That's kind of the education that we're, we're trying to do. Yeah. makes total sense. Makes a lot of sense. So let's kind of like look out um, big picture. So you have, you have yeah. this product, you have a, you know, kind of a unique place in the market. It's a simple, a simple solution. Um, so let's say, you know, you, you grow very quickly, you figure out part of market fit, you raise however much you want to raise, you hire, you want to hire, and you get to the point where like you've, you, you've kind of hit the pinnacle, like 10 years, 15, 20, 25, whatever. What's yeah. the, what's the, what does that look like? Or I guess in other words, I guess a more simple way to frame the question is like, what's the vision for, for reflect and what direction are you rowing in? Yeah. So it's interesting because it's a simple, we feel it's a simple solution to a very complex technical problem. So as a developer and my co-founder being a developer too, like we're very like, it's, we're like, it's the best of both worlds where like you're trying to make something really simple, but you have these like really meaty technical problems to solve. So I would say like long-term vision, what, what we would have ended up building as a machine where any action you take on a website, any website ever, any action you could ever take on it 
we're able to replicate that. That's the machine that we've built. That's the core of the product. Um, and that, that would be a pretty cool technical achievement. From, from the standpoint of like, what does product market fit look like? And if we just like, you know, totally got a ton of market share, it would basically be like, if you, if you were creating a web app, you would never use anything other than us to test it. Test it as a, as a real user. You might, you'll be doing unit testing and integration testing, like the smaller bits, but like for end-to-end -end testing, this would be the de facto standard. And to become the de facto standard, like you'll need some help, right? Like you'll need some employees, you'll yeah. need some, you'll definitely need customers. You, you might want investors if you want to go down that path, but you'll, what you'll definitely need help from, I can guarantee is help from the forward thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help with what you're working on? Are you hiring? Are you fundraising, looking for users, partnerships? How can the listeners help? I would say two things. So if you're, you know, I'm sure a lot of your community, uh, you know, is in the web application realm, software development realm, you know, just having users use it and giving feedback is huge for us uh, because we're able to iterate uh, on that, that feedback very quickly. And then second, on the partnership side, we're looking for folks who, you know, are in the testing services realm who could use us because that's a really interesting channel for us where, you know, we could work with them to help them be more efficient on their projects. And then the benefit to us is we get a chance to work with a lot of different companies via them and, you know, improve the product via just exposure to a lot of different scenarios. So. And then if someone wanted to find you online, check out the website, email you, tweet you or anything like that, how can someone get in touch? Where can they find you online? Yeah. So um, uh, our website is reflect.run. Our Twitter handle is runreflects. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me directly, uh, my email is todd at reflect.run. I actually have one more question. This is off, I mean, off script. Run, yeah. I've never seen, like, is run a, can anyone get a dot .run domain? Or is that, yeah. that's a secret. That's like, that's not <laughs> a dot. You know, I wonder if someone has runforest.run. If not, like, someone should grab that right now. I'm or like, just I already for, it up. you could get forest.run and then have, like, run.forest.run. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I yeah, love that. It's pretty rare, but, like, yeah, we kind of, we debated a bunch of different things and we're just like let's just do this one yeah i i actually just got a dot city domain so i because i'm starting a city so it's forward thinking dot city which is which is pretty fun anyways well i appreciate you coming on to the podcast i think what you're building is super cool and i wish you the best of luck thank you so much thanks for the time all right well i hope you enjoyed that episode of forward thinking founders if you want more forward thinking i'm excited to let you know that we now have a community well it's not really a community it's more of a city it's called forward thinking city and in forward thinking city you're able to do amas with past guests that have been on the podcast for example today we just talked to jonathan barkle who's the ceo of air garage um additionally we have the ceo of catch kristen anderson we've austin Allred, the ceo of lambda school coming in and these are people that you can talk with right you can ask them questions these are amas additionally you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people learn about their startups you also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors real vcs and this is all only for seven dollars a month so if you want to support me as a creator but more importantly if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast other people in the city and potentially 
potential investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right, see you tomorrow.